Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. start a new series today, and it's actually, well, it's kind of a continuation of our verse by verse going through the book of Philippians, but um, we're kind of breaking it into a, a, a series because um, it really just goes together so well, but we're in the book of Philippians, all the way on the right-hand side of your Bible. It's a really small book. It was written by uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, he was in jail, and he wrote it to the church. And one thing that I've just emphasized so much when we've been going through this is that Paul wrote this to the church, and um, he didn't write it to an individual, he wrote it to the church, and uh, was very clear about that. And, and what he's been telling the church in this letter is, I want you to work at having unity, I want you to work together, and it's, gonna, it's going to bring uh, about you learning to be humble putting other people first, not putting your desires first, uh, and, and just working as a team. And, and as you get into chapter 4, which is where we're starting this series now, he kind of starts to get uh, uh, more personal to the, the church in the sense of, listen, if you can do these things, and I, I'm going to instruct you on some things, I want you to learn how to have peace in your mind. I want you to learn how to have a peace of mind. I want you to learn how to deal with the same anxiety and... Um, and, and Church, let's be honest. He wrote this to a church. Well, I didn't think Christians dealt with anxiety or I didn't think Christians had problems. Well, then why did he write it to a church? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he knew, you know, God's Spirit knew that 2,000 years after he wrote the letter, there's still going to be churches, still going to be Christians, still going to be people that are struggling with this, and it's still going to be an issue. And just like it was an issue then, it's still an issue today. And I think the reason is because we can all deal with anxiety. It's, it's, it's really a real thing. And there's all different levels of anxiety, which we're going to kind of talk about. I think it's going to get worse in our society. Um, I, I, think, I think it gets worse in our society nowadays, anxiety does, because we know more of what's going on. We're aware of things more. You know, I think back in the days of Little House in the Prairie, you know, Ma and Pa, the big thing they had to worry about was really what's for dinner tonight, you know, and, um, you know, they'd worry once a year if there was a hailstorm or, you know, is there going to be a drought, you know, or the locust coming. But, but, but nowadays we have all kinds, of, we're just inundated with things to worry about. You know, you turn on the news and, and uh, you know, is Russia going to attack with nuclear bombs? Um, uh, you know, the leader of Russia is talking about that. The leader of our country, uh, uh, President Biden, you know, is talking about Armageddon. Both of these guys are mentally incompetent to be running their countries. <laughs> I'm sorry. But is that, my point is, is that a concern? Yeah, of course it's a concern. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, we, we giggle about it, we laugh about it, but it's not. It, it's a really big thing. <laughs> I think if I saw a raise of hands, and don't raise your hand, but do you ever struggle with anxiety? I think all of our hands would go up. I, uh, church, I tell you, I'm the pastor of this church, and I struggle with anxiety. I say, pastor, you know, no, 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 you're like, you know, the perfect pastor. <laughs> No, I'm not. Uh, anxiety is a real thing. Uh, I struggle with it. Why do you struggle with it? Well, I struggle with it. Here's why I struggle with it. I struggle with it because of, of, of this, because of the reality of the fact that I have a phone, and every time my phone rings, whether it's a text or it's a phone call, it's not good news. Just being honest with you, it's not. 
there's 400 of you, there's 100, there's one, there's one of me, okay? <laughs> there should be 100 of me. <laughs> um, if, well, let's do the math. If, if all of you called me once a month, it would be 13, 14, 13 phone calls a day, 13 texts a day. Listen, I, guys, I, I've been in the ministry a long time. No one ever calls me with good news. Hey, pastor, you know, here's a text just letting you know that my boss gave me a bonus. I, I've yet to have that. Or just like my boss is awesome. I, I don't get that. Uh, hey, pastor, just let you know, you know, I went to the doctor, my cholesterol's down, and they said I'm good for another 30 years. You know, I, I don't get that. <laughs> you know, it just, hey, pastor, just let you know everything in my life is just wonderful. Thought I'd just share that. I don't get that. And so there's just a lot of stuff to deal with. Now, I'm not complaining, and I'm not telling you not to text me that. Why? That's my job. As the under-shepherd, as a leader of this church, that's my job to deal with that. That's what I do. But it's just the reality of it. So, yeah, is anxiety real? Sure, it's real. Every time I hear the phone go off, it's like, ah, you know, and it's just kind of the way it's going to be. Uh, a shepherd needs to take care of the sheep that he has entrusted to him, okay? If the under-shepherd isn't concerned about the sheep, then there's a problem because the sheep aren't all eating green pastures and not getting themselves in trouble all the time. I mean, there's a lot of things going on with the sheep. That's what an under-shepherd does. That's what the shepherd has to do. It has to take care of the sheep. Uh, you know, I, my, my blood pressure uh, is, is I, have, I, I struggle with kind of high blood pressure. I never had high blood pressure until we, and literally, until we bought this property back in 2016. Um, I went to the doctor, and the doctor, what, what's going on? Are you getting a divorce? Is there, like, financial problems? Like, did your wife leave you? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I, we just bought some land, and we're going to build a building at our church. And my doctor says, sell the land and close the church, because this isn't good, you know. That's just the reality. That's, that's life, all right? That's what we do. You know, if the world looked at it from the world's viewpoint, they would say, yeah. You know, uh, when there's an entrepreneur, when there's a business owner, when you have employees, you know, blood pressure goes up, you have health issues. Uh, that's what the world would say. That's what part of being an entrepreneur would be. Well, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a pastor of a church. But that's just the reality. So yeah, it's real. It, it, it is real. And I don't want you to ever sit there in, in church and be like, well, I'm the only person that struggles with this. No, it just, it just maybe not everyone wears on their shoulder. You know, I had people say to me sometimes, like, Pastor, you make it look easy. I have other pastors say that to me. So you make it look easy. Well, maybe on the outside you think it's easy, but it's not. It's, it, there's real pressure. There's real things that you deal with. So with that in mind, here's what I want you to do today. You have a verse sheet in your program. You should have that. I want you to take that out, and I want you to take notes, okay? I want you to take notes in this series. This series is going to be for a few weeks. Um, here's why. Because it's easy for us to go to church, and it's easy for us to go to church and say, wow, that was a really great message. What did the pastor talk about? I, I don't know, but it was just really good. Did you ever have that? You know, I have that. I have that like every week. You know, some people come, pastor, your message last week was really great. What did I talk about last week? I don't know, you know. <laughs> you need to take notes. I had heard a pastor friend of mine speak on this subject in, in Philippians, verse by verse, five, six years ago. And, and from, that, from that message of him talking about it, I took notes. My notes today, what we're talking about today, are from notes that, that I have that are probably six, seven years old. 
and, 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 and so it's helped me. So if you take notes, this series, you take notes, you stick it in the back of your Bible. If you ever called on to do a Bible study, or those of you that go to our Friday night program, or you're going to do a small group, this could be really, really, really helpful. You know, maybe five years down the road, you pull it out, and you got to teach a Sunday school class, or you got to help someone, and, and you could say, well, yeah, back in 2017, uh, my pastor talked about that. So take notes. I want you to take a lot of notes. I'm going to try to get a lot of fill in the blanks just to kind of help you out. But um, let's look. So if you got your Bible, we're in the book of Philippians. And that's where we've been going, verse by verse. Let's pick up at chapter 4. We left last week at, at verse 4, so let's pick up at verse, verse 5. And this is the beginning of our series on overcoming anxiety. Now, remember, he's talking to the church, and what does he say? He says, church, verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. Now, the word moderation, take your pen, underline that. The word moderation simply means self-control. Okay, so if we read it like that, church, let your self-control be known in the community and around. Okay, people should know you have self-control. Look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So the word careful there, and we'll dig into this some more, don't worry. We'll dig into this. The word careful is not being like careless, but it's more something of concern or being anxious. I would write the word anxious down. So, so be anxious or, or overly concerned. Uh, that's what he's saying. Then look at verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I know everyone here in the church says, Pastor, we know these verses. We've studied these before. But, but here's what's here. And this is what we're going to dig into the next few weeks is really, I believe, really a key, a key, literally a key to dealing with and overcoming anxiety. It's our answer to anxiety. I think we read verses like this and we kind of skim past it and say, oh yeah, right, okay, blah, 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 okay, you know, be anxious for nothing, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think there's a lot here. I, I think it gets pretty, pretty deep and we're going to try to unpack it and, and we're going to do this in the context of really talking about overcoming anxiety, a lot of angles we could talk about. But uh, let's just talk for a minute about anxiety uh, a little bit more just to kind of give us a big picture of it. Um, I think anxiety is probably one of the, the most common things people deal with. The medical term for anxiety is, is GAD, which is generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, that's, that's when someone deals with something that is causing them to be anxious for six months. The, the medical field would say, well, if you're anxious about something, you may not even know what you're anxious about, but if it's persisting for more than six months, the medical community says, well, that's general anxiety disorder. And you may not even be able to pinpoint what the anxiety is, but there's a concern about it. There's something, there's a cycle of anxiety. Uh, the medical field says about 6 million people in America struggle with this. That's about 3% of the Americans. I think it's way higher than that. I think, I think 6 million Americans talk to their doctor about it and are diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder. Okay, I think a lot more people, probably all the guys, you know, struggle with anxiety, deal with something, but it's not like, you know, they're calling their doctor every five minutes and saying, hey, but, but you know, the, the, the medical field saying, well, you know, six million people are diagnosed with this every year, and all different levels of it. Uh, many people, I think, struggle with anxiety, but they never maybe deal with it on a medical issue. Uh, but, but, but those that struggle with anxiety, the medical field says this, says there's often what's called a paired disorder that goes along with anxiety. So you don't just struggle with anxiety, you struggle with anxiety and something else, okay? A few of those, uh, probably the three big ones, the first one is depression. People that struggle with anxiety on a consistent level probably also deal with depression, 
okay, that's tied together. Uh, another one is called suspicious mind. Suspicious mind, having a suspicious mind is, is having a mind that's, that's dealing with, with, with worry or having like an intuition. Uh, intuition beyond the reality of what's actually happening. It's kind of like someone that says, well, what about if this happens and this happens and that doesn't happen and this happens and then this happens and that happens and then that happens. That's a suspicious mind. I think in the last election, I think during COVID the last couple of years, there's been an awful lot of suspicious mind. Well, what if this happens and that happens and this happens and then that happens and then, you know, we're all going to be dead, you know, and, and we play it out beyond what reality is. We just think about it and our mind is suspicious about things and we keep going, we keep reading into stuff. We have like perception, you know, when you, when you think about something that's maybe not reality, it hasn't happened. It could happen, but it hasn't happened. You know, it's like this, it's, it's like if you text someone, you know, you ever do this, you send someone a text, and what do you do nowadays? What do you do? I sent the text, send, I'm waiting for the reply, right? And nowadays, if you don't get a reply back in five minutes, what do you start to think? That person doesn't like me anymore. They, they don't care about me anymore. They're mad, they're mad probably because of what I said last week. Oh, I don't even remember what did I, oh yeah, I said, yeah. And, well, and, they, and this person is like this, well, they never text me, I always text back right away. And I, how did they say that? Let me look back at the text, look at what they said. You know, maybe the person's in the bathroom and they don't want to text you back. Did you ever think about that? Possibly? Tell, tell me, church, you don't text in the, don't, I'm not even going to go there. But, but, but the point is, you just know. I just know. I know. No, 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 no. I know. Really? You really know? No, no, I know. I know. And, and you read into it, well, that's a suspicious mind, okay? I just know. You just know. The third one that's really paired with it is called intolerable uncertainty with anxiety. Intolerable uncertainty, that, that's when you can't tolerate the uncertainty of the future. I can't handle not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Good or bad, it's overwhelming. The anxiety is, is tied with that. What's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen in the election? What's going to happen with COVID? What's going to do with this? And, and, and more and more, people are struggling with anxiety more and more and more and more and more and more. It's being medicated more and more and more and more, more than ever before. Uh, but I'll say this about anxiety. You know, I, um, some of it's normal. It, it's okay to have some anxiety. Uh, those of you in school, you have a, a, a test coming up with chemistry or math, and you're anxious about it, and you stay up all night, and you study. Okay, that's not wrong. That's a good thing. You're, you're, it keeps you going. When you're driving, when you're driving down the road, are you a little anxious? That's a good thing to do. I, I think you need to be concerned about the other nutcase drivers that are out there. You know, we drive in Wisconsin. We think it's bad. Wisconsin is nothing compared to Illinois. You cross that border, like when you pass Great America... And it's like all hell breaks loose on the Kennedy. You know, it's just like, it's like you're doing five over, and all of a sudden you pass that border, and it's like, everyone's doing 20, 30 miles an hour. You're, you're on the defense, okay? It's, it's fight or flight, you know? That's a good thing. You know, you're gripping the steering wheel. Uh, you know, don't, you don't drive mindlessly. Well, do-do-do-do-do, right? No, you're not doing that. You're paying attention. You're looking in your mirrors. You're checking everything, right? You're looking out. Yeah, that, that's okay. There's some good things to be anxiety. It keeps us safe you know, in some areas. Um, but, but I'll say this, too, about anxiety. You know, sometimes we've got to be careful, too. You know, medication sometimes can call anxiety. I, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. But, but I'll say this, because I, I, did, I did read this, though. 
If you ever have unexplained anxiety, you know, it could be because of a new medication you're on. I'm just saying you talk to your doctor about it. I'm just saying let's just talk about it, you know. Um, I had a friend of mine yesterday was telling me that uh, they, they switched to Ambien sleep medication, and they said the anxiety just went through the roof, and it was, they just had to switch their sleeping medication. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about it. But the point is you've got to think about that. Well, maybe, you know, this anxiety is from that. But, but I tell you, you know, there's another thing. I'm, we're not getting this done today. <laughs> there's another thing. This was interesting. I'd read this study that anxiety is paired with. And we'll probably end up talking about this a lot, okay? So in the next few weeks, this is probably going to come up a lot. Uh, it was a study back, done back in 20, I think it was 2017. Um, your, your cell phone, your cell phone is tied with anxiety a lot. Did you know that? So there's a study done with a bunch of college students. I think about 160 college students, they took them, and they hooked them up in a private room, the blood pressure and, and, and you know, all the sensors and everything, and just doing an anxiety study and a nerve study. And, and they had these volunteers, and they're laying on the, you know, the bed in the room, all plugged in, all hooked up, 160 college-age kids. And right before the test started, the, the nurse walked in and said, oh, we just need to move your cell phone because it's interfering with electronics. Oh, okay, sure. So they took the cell phone and they put it about five feet behind them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like behind the, where their head was. And they left it. And they went in and started doing, you know, the tests and stuff like that. What the 160 college students didn't know is that the doctor in the other room had their cell phone number. And part of the experiment, unbeknownst to the 160 college students, the doctor called them. At that moment, when the students realized they couldn't get to their phone, the beeping, the ringing, the pinging sound caused every single one of those college students to get all the physical responses, all the, all the signs that are exhibited for literal clinical anxiety. At that moment, all 160 of those students could have been been written off as having clinical anxiety disorders, all because, bing, is the phone a big deal? It, welcome to society, okay, it is, but I just say that to say something even that simple and that benign, there's nothing wrong with a cell phone, but can cause anxiety, that's called what, what's that called, that's called FOMO, you know FOMO is, FOMO for those of you who do investing, it's what, fear of missing out. What am I missing on that phone? Did I miss a call? Did I miss a text? Did something happen? Did I, did I see something on Facebook? So the fear of missing out is kind of a big thing too that, that really is tied into the anxiety. Okay, so all that to say this. Let's get into the Bible. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5. So how do I deal with anxiety? How do, how do I start to process it? How do I overcome it? Because it is a real thing. Philippians 4 verse 5. Here we go. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The word again, moderation is a word for self-control. Moderation implies self-control. If we were to talk about, let's say, food, you would say, you know, uh, kids eat your dinner in moderation. That implies self-control. They're interchangeable ideas. It's not necessarily denial. You know, if you had an eating disorder, you're not necessarily denying yourself eating, but it's having it in moderation. It's eating in self-control. And, and then look at the next verse. And again, we'll dig into this more, but look at the next verse. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing where? In your mind. Church, think for just a minute. There is a connection here that we're going to look at between you having self-control and you and your thinking. 
my dealing with my anxiety and my moderation, my self-control of my anxiety, obviously, according to the Bible here, is tied in with your mind. Self-control starts in your mind, and this includes how we deal with anxiety. Why? Now think about this. Church, think about this. Because you are the only person that can control your thoughts. Now, pastor, this is so simple. It is, but is that a little bit of an eye-opener? Men, your wife does not control your thoughts. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. You're the only person in this room that's responsible for controlling your thoughts. That's it. You're it. And, and the responsibility to overcome your thinking, good or bad, lies squarely with you. Not your doctor, not with anybody else, but with you. Why? Because no one else has access to your mind. Your mind is yours. You're the only one that control it. And, and so to have anxiety, if we look at these verses, is literally to have a lack of mental self-control or mental moderation. And I'm, I'm not, my, my point here is not to be mean. I'm just stating some facts here, okay? This is not critical or anything like that. It's just saying this is the fact. A lack of self-control does end up with anxiety. A lack of mental moderation can end up with anxiety. If I let my mind run wild, that is not having self-control. Why? Because it's my mind. I have to exercise self-control in my brain to control my thoughts when it comes to dealing with the pressures of this life. Listen, church is the pastor of this church. I can't divorce, I can't divorce my emotions from my position as the pastor of this church. I can't. I, I can't. I can't be a robot up here. Someone meets for counseling, yeah, well, too bad. <laughs> You know, no, someone meets for counseling, they're dealing with something, a family issue, a relationship issue, I, I can't be dispassionate about it. I have, to, I have to operate, I have to do my job, but I have to do that and function appropriately, okay? I can't, you can't be a, a zombie, you have to deal with life still. And, 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 I have, and I'm the only person that can exercise self-control of my own mind, okay? No one else can exercise self-control of my mind, why? Because it's my mind. I, I, can't, I can't force you what to think in your mind. I can't. You can't force me what to think in my mind. You have to, have to deal with and have to have moderation and control of what you think about in your mind. You have to practice self-control, this moderation. It's a self-discipline. But if you do practice moderation, if you do practice self-control, look at the next verse, uh, verse 5. It really talks about that there's going to be a guarantee Tell you what, let's hold that for a second. Hold that thought for a moment. Let's go back to verse 6, okay? Can we just do that? Be careful. Let's talk about that before we look at the promises of the next verse. Be careful for nothing. Underline the word careful, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So care, careful. Care, like I said, is, is, it can be a good thing, but again, it could be a worry. It could be a concern. It could be anxiousness, like carefully concerned for something. Uh, think about being anxious. It could be caring for something that we have no business caring about. It could be caring about something that we do have business caring about. I was thinking about this the other day. What are some things that, that we care about? I have three things to write down in your notes here. And I'm, maybe there's more, but I think this is pretty simple. I want you to write it down. The first thing that we care about, we can have concern or care or anxiousness over things of which we have no control. For instance, we have no control over the Russians. <laughs> All right? We have no control over Putin. We have no control over what's happening in Ukraine. 
we have just no control. We just don't have any control. Um, you can get anxious about it when you hear the president talking about it, but, but we have no control over it. We, could have, we have no control over the weather. You know, church events are tough. We have church events here a lot. A lot of them are outside. Uh, the bottom line is we have no control over the weather. It could rain today. It could snow this afternoon. We just have no control. We, we can worry about it. We can be anxious about it. But the bottom line is we have no control. There is nothing that physically we can do about the weather. So when your mind is anxious, you have to ask yourself, is this something I can control? My mind is anxious. I'm concerned about the weather. I'm concerned about the Russians. Is this something that I can control? Church, if it's not something that we can't control, then stop thinking about it. That is called moderation. Let your moderation be known. If it's something you can't control, then stop thinking about it. That's called self-control. That's called moderation. I can't worry about the weather. There is nothing I can physically do to deal with the weather, right? We can't help it today if it rains or snows or sunny and warm. There's nothing. Therefore, I have to force myself to stop thinking about it, stop being concerned about it. This is called moderation. It's called having self-control. If I keep playing it over and over in my mind, looking for an answer, trying to process it so I can identify it, and I'm worried over something that I have no control about, that is where anxiety starts to get its root. There's nothing I can do about it, but I keep dealing with it over and over and over. I mean, I mean what positive thing can change by me worrying about it? There's nothing. So if there's nothing that can change by you thinking about it, then stop thinking about it. You have to just stop it. You know, you've heard the saying, you, 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 can't, um, you can't help a bird from flying over your head but you can stop a bird from landing on your head and making a nest, right? <laughs> okay, there's nothing you can do about the bird that's going to fly over your head, but I can do something about a bird flying over, over my head and making a nest. Uh, those of you that are married, if you're married and your spouse worries over stuff that they can't control, it is your job as a spouse to talk to your spouse about things they can't control and nicely tell them to stop. You have to have self-control over this thinking, that you need to have moderation in this area. Stop worrying about it. You can't, you can't fix this. It, it, to, to otherwise to not do that brings about frustration. It brings about disappointment. It brings about anger. So there's some things in life we have no control. But the second thing I thought of was uh, there are some things in life that we do have some control. We have some control. I think this is probably the middle of our life. This is the average area of our life. Um, there's areas that we just have some control. I do a lot of counseling. I enjoy counseling. Um, there are some things I have control over. I can control what I'm going to say. I can control how I prepare for the counseling meeting. I can control my tone. I can control uh, what I'm going to say to this person trying to help bring about change in life. But here's what I can't control. I can't control what the other person is going to say or do in the meeting. I can't control that. I just, there's nothing I can do about that. I have some control over, over a counseling session. And that's, that's this part. I can control what I say. I can plan for it. I can prepare for it. I can pray for it. I can have those things. But I can't control that person's response. I can say what needs to be said. I can try to work that person to bring about an attitude of repentance. I can try to encourage that person. But I can't help what that person's going to say or what that person's going to do in a meeting. Uh, I can use kindness. I can use compassion. I can, I can show them love to try to get the right response. But at the end of the day, in a counseling session, I can't control what the response is. I just can't. I did, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change their mind. I can present them facts. I can present them biblical arguments, but I can't make them change. And so when we've done everything we can to do and, and, and we're not responsible for the other side of the result, then there's nothing I can do to worry about it. Parents, those of you with children, 
you do the right thing and you raise your children, you do everything possible to raise your children the right way. But at the end of the day, your child still has to make a choice, okay? You can be on the pro side and the proactive side and give them everything you need to do, but at the end of the day, your child still needs to make the right choice. Both of my sons are in college. They're both in Bible college right now. They're both, both young adults. I, I feel like I have done, I'm not a perfect parent, but I've done everything I can to try to help them and try to set them up for the, the right relationships, for the right friendships, for the right dating, for the right, right financial decisions, for the right biblical understanding, for what their future is going to I feel like I've, I've tried to do, do, do all that, but at the end of the day, who makes the choice of what they're going to do or where, who they're going to marry or what they're going to move to and what, what kind of money they're going to spend? Not me. Not me. My, my children have to make those choices, okay? There are some things in life that you have some control over, but not all control, okay? Now, the third one on this end here is this. There are things in your life that I have total control over, um, and we need to spend time on these things we have total control over. How about this? I have total control over my character. I do. I have total control over my character. It doesn't mean my character is always right. I'm just saying that's something I can work on, right? I have total control over my time management. I have total control over the Christian disciplines in my life, reading my Bible, my prayer time. I have total control over my financial stewardship. I have total control over my attitude. I have total control over my eating habits. I have total control over my exercise habits. I have total control over my mouth. These are things I have total control over, and I need to work at training. And I need to work at disciplining. I can work on building these things, self-control, building uh, self-denial. I can work on moderation in these areas. If my character is weak uh, and, and I give in to different things, then I need to work on my character. If my thought life is bad and, and I'm not thinking about the right things, I can't control my thoughts. These are areas I can work on. The only person that can reign in my thought life is me. No one else can reign in my thought life but me. If my addictions and, 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 and the areas I struggle in, if those are, if those are uh, a problem, those are areas I can control, I can have moderation. Church, let me give you a simple fact when it comes to dealing with addictions. No one is putting a gun to your head to force you to act out your addiction. No one's putting a gun to your head saying, light the next cigarette. They're not. No one's putting a gun to your head saying, take the next shot of heroin. They're not. No one's putting a gun to your head and saying, look at the next porn flick. They're not. That is an area you and you alone control. No one's forcing you to light up the next cigarette or have the next drink. No one's doing that. This is an area, though, that you have to ask. Do I have no control? Do I have some control? Or do I have total control? Depending on the answer to that question, that, that's how you respond correctly. Uh, we have the ability to think about things. Church, listen. If we have the ability to think about things, we also have the ability to stop thinking about things. <laughs> Is that pretty blunt? Is that pretty plain? Yeah. Is it true? According to this verse, it's true. If you have the ability to think about something, you have the ability to stop thinking about it. We've got to keep moving here. Look at the next, uh, back to verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. It's your responsibility to stop. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So we do have control over prayer. That's something we can do. God has control over things that we don't have control over. I could be anxious about the weather, but there's nothing I can do about it. 
but God can do something about the weather, right? I mean, is that a true statement? Amen, church? Okay, so making sure you're still with me. I, I can't help it, but I can pray about it. Why can I pray? Well, I can pray because God has control over it. Should I be anxious about it? Well, there's nothing I can do about it, but I can pray about it. I mean, look at the verse. I mean, are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? It says, when there's something that I'm careful for and there's something that's, that's overwhelming and consuming, the one thing I can do is I can deal with it. I, I can, my Christian response is that, is that I can have prayer about this. If I have no control over this or I have partial control over this area, I can bring it to prayer. If I have total control over it, sure, I can pray about it, but I, I can also deal with it, right? Man, I got a flat tire. What am I going to do about the flat tire? Well, you could get out and change the flat. I mean, that's something I can't do, right? But if there's something you just don't have power, uh, control over, then, then, then you bring it to prayer. This is why not being anxious and prayer are in the same verse. Have you ever thought about that, church? Don't be anxious, but pray is in the same verse in the Bible. It's not 10 chapters later. I'm not having to do some biblical gymnastics and say, well, if you read this passage and that passage and that ties in this, it's in the same sentence. It's right there. It says this, this is what you can do. So think about situations you have that you don't have much control about it. So what do I do? Well, I do commit the, the issue to heaven. That's something I do do. That's something I should do. It's not just some mental exercise. It's a spiritual discipline. This is something that I can't control. If I can't control, then I'm going to pray about it. God, I'm giving it to you. And church, when you are done praying, listen very carefully, when you are done praying, what do I do? I dismiss it. Why? Because I'm done praying about it. Is it that simple? Kind of. Yeah, it is. It just seems too simple. <laughs> I know, but it's in the same verse. It says to do it. I can dismiss it. I prayed about it. Are you worried about it? Are you concerned about it? I, I, no, I, I prayed about it. I mean, I, I literally, I literally gave it to God. It's like, here's my problem, and physically here, it's now it's your problem. There's nothing I can do about it. But I can tell myself, and I can tell, tell those that ask, well, I prayed about it. <laughs> I wonder what life would be like if we had confidence that God really, you know, would do these things and we really believed it. You know, it's, it's, it's the step of dismissal that says, you know what, I have a loving, caring God, and I can take this anxious concern that I have, and I can literally give it to Him. Now, church, listen, this doesn't mean that it's not going to rain on your parade. It doesn't mean you're not going to die from cancer. It doesn't mean you're not going to lose your job. Life still happens. It's the correct response to the cruddiness of life. That's what we're talking about. That's where anxiety comes in. So we're dealing with anxiety. What do I do with it? Then, now here we go to verse 7. What's the promise? I have something I can't control. I have something I can kind of control. I'm going to take it to God. I am now going to dismiss it because it is not my problem. I, I handed it to him through prayer. What's verse 7 say? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, which doesn't make sense. That's what it's saying. It passes all understanding. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the peace of God. I've given it to God. I dismiss the thought. This church, this is not some theory. This is not some positive thinking thing. No, my Bible says this is a promise. Amen, church? Is it a promise or not? It's a promise. God will keep our hearts and minds. The, the beginning to overcoming anxiety and our anxious thoughts is, is literally the first thing to do is the first thing, is that is to bring it to prayer. And, and, and our disciplined thinking is not easy. Why? Because we have a fallen sin nature. Our battle is right here. And sometimes it just doesn't quit. Now think about this, though. The Bible said you have these thoughts, you have these things you can't control, you give it to God in prayer. Think about this. 
if you keep worrying about it, what are you being at this moment? You're being disobedient to what God said to do. I don't like that because <laughs> I want to keep worrying about it. It's more fun to keep worrying about it, isn't it? I mean, it's just more exciting. It just, it just it kind of gives me a rush. I'd rather just worry about it. But he says, listen, if you're still anxious about things and you're not doing what this verse says and you're still, you're still doing this, you are being disobedient. Oh, yeah, but pastor, I prayed about it. Really? Did you really pray about it? Or did you just, oh, dear God, please. Did you really pray about it? I mean, really? I mean, really? Did you really hand it off to God? Like, did you, were you serious about that? Because the verse says, you know, if you're told to worry, to worry about it, be anxious for nothing, and you're supposed to give it to God in prayer, then church, just leave it there. That is called obedience. Are you with me? Can, you, can I get an amen or a head shake? Hello, are we still here today? All right. <laughs> There's like the stunned silence of like, oh my goodness. I didn't think I was coming to this. I was looking for some self-help here. Church, anything, anything outside of us dismissing it, is disobedience. It's disobeying what God told us to do. Th this is his book. It's not my book. I didn't write this. He's the one that's telling us about it. Let me, let me, let me hear an amen. Ladies, do you understand what we're talking about? Gentlemen, do you understand what we're talking about? Okay. <laughs> All right. Making sure everyone's paying attention here. So when anxiety comes back, you just have to pretty much in your mind have experienced self-discipline uh, self and moderation, rebuke it and say, no, I am not worrying about this. Why? Because I prayed about it. That's what I did. I, pray, I did. I did exactly what the Bible said. I prayed about it, and I'm going to have to just deal with that. And this discipline of self-controlling our thoughts is hard at the beginning. It's a hard thing for us to train ourselves because we like to be uh, anxious. We like to go over and over and over in our brain about it. We've taught ourselves to go over and over and over in our brain about it and to text and to type and to Facebook. We've taught ourselves to just consume ourselves to the point we have to get medicated over it all the time. Wait a second. Have you brought it to God? Really? And then when you have, we dismiss it and say, no. Nope. It's in God's hands. There's nothing I can do about it. I've left it to God. Now, we're out of time. We're going to stop right here, okay? Um, and we're going to keep dealing on the subject for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about the things that you can deal with and what to do with them and, and, and some more practical stuff in there and, and how to really have a spirit-controlled life, looking at some more biblical things that God says about dealing with anxiety. But first things first, the first things first is you ask yourself the question, is this something I can deal with? Either I have control, I have no control, or I have some control. Depending on that answer, if you have some or no control, you bring it to God, and then you dismiss it. You're done. You're, you're done. You've given it to God, and you're done. Anything short of that is disobedience to Paul's letter in Philippians chapter 4. Whew! I don't know if I like this study. I'm just telling you. <laughs> hey, aren't you glad that... Uh, that the good news is that Jesus Christ loved us, died on the cross, even with our stupid thoughts and our bad thought life and our anxiety and our worry. Aren't you glad that he, he didn't require us to have a perfect thought life before he saved us? Amen. Aren't you glad when he died on the cross? He paid for all of our sins. So church, the most important thing we share, we share it today, is that Jesus loves each and every person. And he died on the cross to pay the sin debt for all of mankind. And it's nothing that we can work for. You've seen me do this illustration. This is me and you. Pretend that my glasses are all the bad things. This is the anxiety, the worry, the addictions, the depression. These things that, well, God says, I love you, but I hate the things that you do. Those things that you do keep you from heaven. Pretend this hands God. God's in heaven. Heaven's perfect. There's no sin going to heaven. 
God says, no, I love you. It's the sin. Someone has to die to pay the mortgage for that sin. The Bible doesn't say go to church to pay for it, get baptized to pay for it. The Bible says the wages of sin are death, separation from God forever in a place called hell. That's what the Bible says. Someone has to die to pay for it. That's why they brought sacrifices to church. That's why they would bring a lamb or an animal to the temple. Why? Someone had to die to pay the mortgage, okay? So God says this in John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, it doesn't say gives money or, or repents or, or, or takes holy communion. No, whosoever believes in him should not perish. God says, I'm, I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. I just want you to believe that my son paid the mortgage. If you'll accept that, believe it, trust it, yeah, God paid for my mortgage. Yeah, good. You're part of my family. He died on the cross to pay all men's sin. The sin debt has been paid already. Okay? God says, have you accepted it? Have you trusted in that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This over here on my, my left here. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Look at the next verse. It's not a work. If you think you're going to do anything, God says, it's not a work. Why? Because you're not going to be in heaven bragging about it. So if you're going to do something to pay for your, your salvation, the natural tendency is to be bragging about it because look what I did. You can't. It's impossible. You won't be bragging about it because why? It's nothing that you did, right? It's by grace that we're saved. All right, let's close with a word of prayer and we'll, we'll be done for today, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you've done. Thank you for our Bible study. Uh, Lord, we're talking about overcoming anxiety and dealing with it. And really, this series is really going to be about calming our mind and, and having a peaceful mind, settling it down a little bit in a very, very anxious world. Would you... Work in our hearts this week. Work in my heart this week. I got, I got areas that I need to work on too. Help us to bring our anxious thoughts to you and then to leave it with you. Lord, I pray maybe there's someone this morning, I don't know, I don't know the whole crowd, I don't know. Maybe there's someone this morning that doesn't know about their eternity. They think they're going to heaven, they hope they're going to heaven, they wish they're going to heaven, they joined a church to go to heaven. They're not sure. They don't know for certain if they were to die today, they'd spend an eternity in heaven. Lord, would you work in their hearts right now. Help them to understand that when Christ died on the cross, he paid the full sin debt. For by grace, we're saved through faith. Lord, maybe someone's trusting in you right now. They, they're done trusting in what they've done or they're going to do, and they're trusting in what you did on the cross. Lord, I pray you give them just a special blessing this morning as they're trusting in what you did on the cross of Calvary to pay their debt. And help them to get involved in the local church to learn more about the God who loves them so much. Lord, we ask for a blessing on this afternoon, and we just want it to be safe, uh, a fun afternoon. But Lord, we're praying that people would trust Christ today. We'd give those that are giving the gospel today liberty to preach the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.